In this episode, I chat with Eric Lemus, assistant coach for the University of Illinois Springfield's men's soccer program. That's where he's at now. His soccer journey is awesome. Growing up as a youth in California, finding his way to the East Coast, Hawaii, and now back to the Midwest. You're going to love hearing Eric's journey and what he's learned along the way. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Podcast, and on the podcast today, I have Eric Lemus. Eric, where are you at and what you up to? Hey, thanks for having me. So I'm actually the assistant coach here at the University of Illinois Springfield. We're a Division II program located in Springfield, Illinois. Uh, it's actually my first year here. I just moved out here last summer. After that, I was back at Marymount, California, which is an NEI school, uh, about 20 minutes south of downtown L.A., and then prior to that, I was at the University of Hawaii at Hilo, which is where I also finished my playing days and started coaching there as well. So, so we have, you're in the Midwest now, you're in Correct. the West Coast, and then all the way in mm-hmm. Hawaii. So let's go all the way back to Hawaii. What, how, how did you end up in Hawaii? So I actually also transferred to Hawaii. Like when my freshman year of college, I was in New Hampshire at a Division II school out there. And then I ended up transferring out there after a year. Um, a head coach that I was also kind of talking to when I was in high school ended up taking the job there. And when I wanted to transfer out, I saw that he was there. And I figured, you know, Hawaii wouldn't be a terrible place to live. And then, um, you know, I've always been one of those that for school, I kind of wanted to get away from home. But then being in Hawaii, I was far enough to where we were also playing games in California uh, consistently enough to where my folks could come out and watch me with the games and so on and so forth. So that's kind of what guided my decision out that way. And um, to this day, I still think it's probably one of the best decisions I made because I'm also in the thought process that if I didn't go there, I don't think I would be coaching because that same head coach is the one that kind of took me under to become an assistant with him. So as you played there at the the Hawaii, is it Hilo? Is that what you said? Hilo. Yeah. Hilo. Um, you must have really connected well with the with the style of coaching and what have you when you were there. Is that kind of what drew you to continue staying with him? A little bit, yeah. And also, so the assistant coach today was also the DOC for the local club, which is a Hawaii Rush branch. Um, so I started with them. I just started as their goalkeeper coach. I was, you know, the usual just make some extra money as while I'm in school and so on. And then they asked me if I could coach a team. And I was like, sure, why not? Like, let's see how this goes. I wasn't really, you know, coaching hadn't really crossed my mind. And then funny enough, my head coach, his son ended up being on my team, like while I was playing for him. So it kind of just created this dynamic where, like, he saw me coaching. He saw me as I started, you know, growing into it and enjoying it. And then I started doing my licenses and so on. And then the conversations would always come up. And it was actually on a plane ride um, back from one of our away trips in California where I, you know, was like I sat next to him for the flight. And the conversation started going back and forth of, like, would you ever consider college coaching and so on and so forth. And then um, I actually started early because I didn't play in my entire four years. It was only two years. And then, you know, my shoulders being a goalkeeper, you know, didn't really help me. And so after the two years, he was like, you know, do you want to become a student assistant coach? Because we didn't really have a goalkeeper coach in Hilo. And that's kind of where my role started. And it kind of just grew from there. What was the dynamic of having his son on your team and seeing him like across on the sidelines watching? It was a little nervous at first, to be honest with you, because I'm like, you know, being a young 19-year-old kid coaching my coach's son, I was like, 
feeling like, is he judging everything that I'm doing? Like, if I, if I take his kid out, because his kid is actually one of our better players. I was like, if I see take his kid out because I see that he's tired, like, but then we end up getting scored on. Like, am I going to hear the end of this, like, when I come back to practice the next day? But, you know, it was actually not bad. Like, he actually was good at, you know, being a dad compared to just being a coach. Like, he would show up to the field, like, be supportive. And, you know, he we it wouldn't really come up at, at, outside of the club scene, like, if I went up and asked him, like, hey, what did you think of this? Like, he would answer. But it's not like he would, like, initiate any of that conversation. He actually was very good at, like, keeping the the boundary, per se, of just being a dad and being there supporting his kid compared to anything else. That's really, really cool. Because um, some people, as you know from your experience, uh, yeah. cannot separate the two. Um, and can, it's tough. But the other thing yeah. is, so Hawaii, what's the, what's the, you've seen soccer, it sounds like from all over um, the U.S. Um, at different levels. What's the soccer like in Hawaii? It's, uh, it's challenging, but there's definitely talent there in my opinion. You know, we've seen in the past couple of years, you have talent come out from Hawaii and go to division one schools. Some of them, you know, going to the pros in the NWSL, you know, a couple guys in the USL as well. But I think the talent is definitely there. Obviously, the challenge is just the travel. You know, you can only play the same people so many times before it just gets repetitive and you don't really get challenged by it. And then, um, you know, you can only go to California so many times a year to play tournaments and such because of kids missing school and just the cost of it and so on. So I do, I do believe that there's definitely challenges there. You know, they're definitely, you know, it's not just like they're hardworking, hard-nosed kids. Like there's definitely like technical players there who can make a difference, you know, in a game from what I've seen and so on. So I think, obviously, I don't, I can't tell you the solution off the top of my head, but I do believe that there's enough talent there that if there's a way that they can, I don't know, create that pipeline and just get exposed a bit more that, you know, you could hear more of the players from Hawaii more in the future. Yeah, that's one of those things that I don't think people think about is that access to other like competitive opportunities and being on an island does kind of, that's a huge obstacle. And like you said, getting the funds to come to uh, the U S and California or any of these other places, um, that's a, it's already expensive for most people to even play club at all. Yeah. So. And I don't think some people realize like how far it actually is. Like I'll tell people, they're like, how long was the flight? I was like, it's about a five and a half hour flight from LA to Hawaii. And people are like, oh, wow, I didn't realize it was that far. It's like, yeah, it's basically the same as flying from L.A. to New York. Like, it's a pretty decent flight. So it's not like you can just say, like, I'm going to fly there on Friday and come back Sunday and, like, feel fine. Like, for our college games, we would be gone 10 to 12 days at a time because we would fly to California, that six-hour flight, play four California schools in, like, a 10-day span and then have to fly back. Yeah, I was going to say you'd almost have to plan it to get most bang for your buck. So, like you said, you wouldn't be flying just for one game. Just to go, yeah, just to fly back. So like when I was there, like I know our club teams, they would fly to like California and they would try and get two to three tournaments in in like a two to three week span and like stay with family as much as they can or so on to try and get the most out of their trip. So I'm so from what I'm did, figuring out is your family is from the from California. Correct. I'm originally from LA, born and raised, and then I didn't move out of LA until I went to college. And so I know that California and LA and stuff has got, is kind of a hotbed of, of soccer. What's, what's the, from where you bounced around, what's LA's kind of style of play? And, and the, is it kind of a religion or what kind of, uh, I hear all the time that that's where it's like all the spicy players and saucy and all kinds of just clap, you know, all kinds of cool skill moves and what have you. 
it's it's a good mix i would say kind of would also depend on like as, as any team on your coach like i had a coach who you know he want we had good technical players who were able to get us on the ball but he also wanted some of those you know player players who just created something out of nothing and were just special players but like obviously being gone the past couple of years i've seen glimpses of it like when i'm recruiting or like last year i was when i went home for a year to la and i worked at the nai school i was able to be involved for a bit and um it's definitely competitive. I don't. I think most games out there, once you get to like the higher levels, you get a competitive game no matter who you're playing, which is great. Which creates good competitors who like want to win no matter what. Um, and it, like I said, it's just mostly you definitely get those fan not fancy, but like the flashy players and all that. But you get a lot of good technical players as well, and it's a good mix overall from LA or even like the Valley above LA down to San Diego. And then you got a lot of those big clubs who have their style of play already ingrained in them that that's what they get taught and it's just about you know the individual coaches you know allowing the the players to be individualistic and not just so much hidden in their in their identity per se as has your experience being in california and like hawaii helped in terms of recruiting to um university of illinois springfield so it has a bit we actually have one kid coming from san diego uh that committed recently who you know, through a friend that I had back in California, a goalkeeper, uh, when I told him I was coming out here, I was like, hey, give me a couple of weeks and I'll be in touch and things were able to work out as well. There's another couple for next year that, you know, conversations have been slowly but surely. But like, even when I was in, in Hilo and beforehand, like I've, I try to do well at keeping in touch with the people I've worked with, people that I've grown up with and are now coaching as well. And just keeping that communication and anytime they know of someone who might be interested or they could see fitting in where I'm at, like we'll be in touch and the conversation start there. You know, being only here a year, haven't really started the pipeline yet, but I did, we were talking to like two or three of them and then we were able to get one of them to say yes. Um, one of them told us that he wants to go somewhere else. And then the other one were kind of still seeing where things are going out. But I try to at least, you know, bring it in. The good thing is here at UIS, we have a good mix of guys from Chicago area, Arizona, New Mexico, uh, handful of internationals as well so like one thing the good thing is i feel like when kids see that there's a mix of everywhere they feel more comfortable being like oh there's a lot of guys there who have been through what i'm going to go through of being new to springfield and so on that, that is a cool whole thing to know that there's people that are in the, you're not the only one going through that experience what drew you right. to uh uis um and brought you from from Hilo? Um, so I came here from Marymount when I was at last year, the NAIA school, and I was only there for a year. And really what attracted me here was just an exciting opportunity to just, you know, take a, a small step up. Like I was still an assistant coach last year, but being here, like I'm the only like assistant on staff. Like we have two other guys that volunteer as well who were players on the team last year. But like when it comes to being in the office, it's me and my head coach. And, you know, my goal in the long run is to hopefully be a head coach eventually of a collegiate program. And, you know, I, I was in it was through a mutual friend that I got in touch with him and heard good things about him and the and the program you know did my research and saw that you know the team had been progressing year to year so it looked like an exciting opportunity for me to come in you know get some good experience being the, the assistant working under a good head coach you know in a very competitive conference where we have like I think four four nationally ranked teams in our conference one of them was in the final four last year so you know I felt like this was a good opportunity for me to also like spread my wings and See what I can do with a little more responsibility on my shoulders as well. What uh, what other things um, kind of brought you? So it sounds like for me that the networking has been huge for you 
in terms of just mm -hmm. connecting with people. Um, do you continue to reach back and touch base with the coach from Hilo and the coach from, from Marymount? I do actually. So one of my, the good thing is like, so the head coach who originally hired me in Hilo, he left after like a year or two. And the guy who was the assistant, like while I played and then assist, the like first assistant when I started, took over the job and I worked under him for the last three years. And he's a really good friend of mine who will text or have a phone call like occasionally and all that. So we keep in touch very well. You know, from Marymount, I keep in, I still text with the other guys who are the assistants and the head coach as well. So like, obviously with, you know, everything going on, we like to keep in touch and see how things are going with the athletic department and the program and such. And so, and even like with my coaches from growing up, like my old club coach is also the assistant at Cal State LA. So I keep in good contact with him. I'll try to get in touch with him if I ever like have a question or advice about such. And then the guy who was my goalkeeper coach growing up, I've been able to work with him and his academy whenever I'm back in LA. And, you know, if I ever have a question about goalkeeping or goalkeeper stuff, because I also do the goalkeeper training for us here, I'll reach out to him and I know I can call him or text him and we'll be in touch there as well. So the goalkeeping aspect, how, how did you end up becoming a goalkeeper? Because um, that's a unique brand of player that has to kind of fit that role. Were you always a goalkeeper or was that just something that came about? I, I used, I started at about 10 years old and I would split time on the field and in goal. And then my dad, my dad was actually the coach of my team. It was like a Sunday league park league team. And my dad tells me that I became a goalie because I told him I didn't want to do the running at practice. Which, <laughs> I, which to this day, I believe because I just hate running. No matter, like even when I go to the gym, I'm like, damn, I got to run today, but you know, I, I'll do it. And then, um, you know, I don't know. I think I've, it's funny because like, I tell people like I hate being the center of attention and all that sort of stuff. But when I'm in goal, like I think I thrived off the pressure because like when my teams would go to PKs, like I was excited. I wanted to be in the PKs. I wanted to make that save to to win the game. And then I, I don't know really what attracted me to it after that. I think I kind of just stuck to it. And then because I felt so comfortable in it and like I think I had a like a good confidence of people telling me like, you know, you're good at this, you can do this and do that. And I'm like, like anybody and any kid, like I had ups and downs and moments where I doubted like if this was what I wanted to do, but you know, as I kept going through it, it, it was a good experience for me. I think, I think because I played goalkeeper, it kind of helps me with the coaching stuff because obviously we're always told to communicate, see the game, read the game and so on. But um, it definitely, I'm definitely one of those that say like, you got to be a different breed to be a goalkeeper. We're definitely wired a bit differently. And like, I see it in myself. I see it in the kids that I've coached and so on. But uh, yeah, I, I split the field up until I think it was like my freshman year of high school. And then that's when I kind of said like, I'm, I'm sticking to the goalkeeping spot. And then that's kind of what I wrote, <clears throat> road to college and so on. And then the goalkeeping coach part was what got me into the collegiate coaching stuff at first. So what was the, what was the transition <clears throat> like going from, being a player who like just fed off of all of the intensity and the, and the big moments to now I have to be a coach of a kid in that spot. It was interesting, especially from the college side, it was definitely a little harder because I went from being teammates with the three coaches or the three goalkeepers that I coached to being their coach, like within the three month span, like in the May of that spring semester, I was still training with them you know, hanging out like we're all buddies. And then when they came back for preseason in August, I was their coach. So it definitely took um, some mental fortitude and some, you know, trying to not set boundaries, but trying to set the thing of like, hey, we can still be friends 
to a point, but I also like need you guys to, you know, help me make this a little bit easier on myself and such. Was hard during games at first because I was one of those that like, you know, young coaches, like I couldn't sit down during a game because I just wanted to be in the game that bad. And I kind of had to slowly but surely like settle myself down and say like, hey, you want this, the wanted the pressure on the field, but it's a different type of pressure now being on the bench. And obviously as an assistant coach, it was different. And as I got more involved in being a head coach, and then I also started being a head coach for high school out in Hawaii and feeling like that pressure of like the big games or in a playoff game and stuff, I was like, okay, this is the pressure I kind of missed being on the field just in a different way. So I think once I realized that and, you know, started feeling that it kind of helped me trigger that competitive drive again of being like, I want, this is the pressure I want. Now I need to perform under the pressure. I, I completely get the whole transitional uh, being a teammate to now all of a sudden I'm like, a, I'm above you a little bit um, yeah. in that thing. Did it take, did it take a while to get kind of work through some of that? Or did you, did you find that the guys were like, okay, we get it. And we rock and roll. I think it, I, I think it did take uh, a couple months at least. Um, and thinking back at it, I also probably could have, I could have made it a bit better myself. Cause I think I was also in that mindset of like, I don't want you guys to hate me. So I was trying to, sometimes I would go from being too strict to maybe being too friendly. So I was also challenged um, by trying to find the balance, which obviously, you know, they say hindsight 2020 looking back, I'm like, I should have done this. I should have done that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, things worked out. I'm here now. Like I still have to keep in touch with a couple of guys and so on. So, you know, it worked out in the long run, but I, it definitely took a bit longer than maybe I would have liked. But at the end of the day, you know, it worked out well enough, you know, and it was also difficult to the point because in Hilo at the time, it was the same coaching staff for both programs. So I had the men's team who, same thing, I was friends with teammates with them and the women's teams who, you know, we would all hang out and still together and stuff. So I would, I had to basically do that with six goalkeepers who were like my friends and teammates a couple months ago to now I'm coaching them and working with them and such. Interesting dynamic for sure. And then I'm, I'm assuming that that experience, though, as maybe it didn't work out as quickly or smoothly as maybe you had hoped looking back, has now propelled you on. Do you feel like that's made you a better coach now when you moved on to Marymount and now to uh, UIS? I, I think so, because I think I'm, I mean, obviously, uh, other people can say differently or can tell me from the outside, but I feel like I, I do a decent enough job of, you know, having a good relationship with guys and the players of, you know, I can get along with them, joke around with them, ask them, you know, how's the so-and-so going? But when it gets time to work and train and, you know, in the game, I, it's still enough to where, like, if I tell them something, they're, like, they're listening and they understand where it's coming from. And then, again, when we're all, the game's over, like, yesterday after the game, we're, we won the game in overtime and, you know, everyone gets all celebratory and they're having their music in the locker room and I can jump in and be an idiot with them for five minutes. <laughs> And then when I got to tell them, hey, let's clean up, we got to go, like they're grabbing their stuff and we're heading out. So That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, the other thing, so you're, you're born and raised in California. Mm -hmm. And then, but it sounds like everywhere that you've gone has been multiple hours away from California. Like you talked about New Hampshire was kind of where you first destination, then to Hawaii mm -hmm. and, and Marymount brought you back to California. And then you're here. What? have you always been kind of like, Hey, I want to get away kind of from California or did, did it just, it was it just something that just happened. I think it's just something that happened. 
Um, cause obviously, you know, being from a Hispanic family, Hispanic background, my entire family is in California. My grandparent, my grandma, my cousins, everyone's there. And as I tell my mom the thing, I'm like, as much as I'd love to be in LA, um, I'm one of those guys that I kind of just made the mindset of, I'm going to go wherever there's an opportunity, you know, and as much as I love LA and Southern California, when it comes to the collegiate coaching world, I think we both know it's so difficult to get in there because it's Southern California. So I think I kind of just went through the mindset of I'm going to go where I have to in order to get in the collegiate world. And the goal is to hopefully one day move back there and get there. But if I don't, you know, I'm just, like I said, I'm, it's a competitive driver. I'm just going to go where the best opportunity lies for me. And if that's in California, great. And if it's not, then I roll with the punches. You know, I've never been one that says like, I, I want to live here. I, I have to live in, a, in here. Like, it just I go where the opportunity lies. That's why, like, I, I get the question all the time. Like, dude, how do you go from living in Hawaii to coming to <laughs> Illinois, where we had a polar vortex a month ago and it's zero degrees outside? I'm just like, I don't really care about you know the weather as much as like I'm gonna go where I feel is the best opportunity for me. And you know, I actually I love Springfield anyway. As like everyone here is awesome. The people that work around me in the athletic department are awesome. So I don't really have any complaints and such. So what was your family's take on that? If, if so much of your family is there in California, were they like supportive or like, what's, how did that dynamic work out? You know, I'm actually, I'm blessed that my entire family from my parents to my sisters to my grandma, they're supportive a hundred percent. Like, obviously everyone misses me, you know, I miss them and, you know, I've missed out on, you know, some, some, some big family stuff, like a couple weddings, a couple quinceaneras growing up from my cousins and such but everyone's a hundred percent supportive. You know, I think a little bit might have to be just, you know, I'm one of the older cousins. So I'm kind of like the first that graduated and stuff first of that did so on, so on and so forth. So there's that little bit of dynamic of like, you know, let's let them do his thing. So, you know, I always get the thing like, Oh, your little cousins are looking up to you. And I'm just like, Oh, thanks. Okay. <laughs> a little more, a little, a little more pressure to perform, but it's a, it's a good one. And so I think there it's a, both sides of the coin, like everyone's 100% supportive, like, you know, no one ever is upset per se that I'm leaving, but at the same time, I'll get like those calls from my grandma or my aunt, and my cousins, they're like, dude, we miss you, like, when are you coming home, and I'm just like, whenever I get some free time, because, you know, coaching club, two club teams, and the uh, college team, like, with recruiting and such, I have to, like, plan my months ahead of time so I can get some free time. I think it's cool that you're kind of the trailblazer the family to look up to even if there is a little bit of pressure but it's cool for for the younger uh family members to see you kind of like and like you've talked about i'm just going to kind of go roll with the punches so if there's an opportunity mm -hmm. and it's something that i want to go after like you said this, the stop here at uis um or the ability to be here is uh, is your next step along where you hopefully will end up being a head coach at a college uh at some point um and I think it's so cool that you even said, like, I'm not really worried about where I'm at. Like, I'm not here because if I wanted perfect weather, I would have stayed in California where it's, yeah. you know, sunny and warm all the time. Um, and I love that. What um, what was so did you arrive in Springfield last summer? Yeah, I arrived in mid-July. So what was the what was the transition of you show up? And at that point, you're probably like, dude, let's rock and roll. Let's do this. And then, boom, COVID hits. Um, and it's shutting things down. What was your semester like last last semester? Yeah, so it actually, it wasn't that bad, actually. So when I was in California, obviously California is a bit more closed up, down. Like we had just started club practices um, 
when I first heard about this job, but we were doing the whole non-contact, like everyone has to do basically the individual skill work. And then when I got out to here in mid-July, like it was a bit more open. So we were actually allowed to train with contacts. We were just starting allowed to have scrimmages and stuff for club. So I was able to get back to that somewhat normal feeling of running a session, coaching in a game again. And then when it comes to the college side, um, we were actually a bit lucky here that being through the U University of Illinois system, like we were getting tested once or twice a week through a quick like saliva 24 hour result test. So we were actually able to train normally with contact as well, like with the entire team. So it did feel a bit more normal, even though we didn't have the games. And then we just kind of created our own like Friday night lights, inner squad scrimmage stuff to make it seem a little more normal. But, you know, we were a bit lucky here where we didn't have to go through any of the pod training or the individual training. We were able to get in, get tested, and then right away jump into training like with the full team. So did you guys do that throughout the entire fall? Yeah. So we basically like the usual spring 45 day window that would happen in a regular school year. We had that in the fall. And then we did have to have a two week pause just because campus in general, and then they allowed us to extend that two weeks. So it basically almost extended the entire fall semester of training wise, you know, and then wow. we're going through the same process now in the spring during our season with, you know, getting tested and, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, that's awesome in a way, because now the guys are used to getting tested. They kind of know the routine. Mm -hmm. um, so this like it's been a smooth kind of slide into the spring, I would think now. Um, what does the spring season look like? Are you guys playing like league teams only or do you have like a full schedule? So we were a bit lucky. So we are regular season. We're playing a conference only schedule, which is still we're in a 15 team conference. So it's a pretty decent amount of games. And then our, our school actually allowed us to still have two uh, scrimmages before we got into that. So we were basically able to have 16 games total. We're five games into our six games into our season right now. So we were, we were three weeks in, we played two games per weekend. And then uh, our conference is also planning on having a conference tournament at the end of all that. So we could have up to 17 games, you know, for hopefully make it to the final and such. Wow. It's awesome to hear. It's almost, mm -hmm. almost normal. Uh, yeah. In a way, what's the, what's the dynamic of playing? So two games in a weekend. So that's like a Friday, Sunday type setup. Correct. So what, what's that like in terms of preparing goalkeepers and such for two games, like in such a short period of time? Yeah. So it's, uh, it has its challenges. Like it's a bit easier, like during the regular week per se, cause we have, well, today, Mondays are usually our off days because we play Friday, Sunday, and we get into training Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday being our heavier days. Um, you know, when me being the assistant coach, I'm, we do goalkeeper training only once a week on the Thursdays. And then, um, you know, it's more of, at this point, it's more of just keeping the guys sharp, you know, keeping our starter feeling ready to go, like for the games and such. Um, and then on that Saturday, it's a lot more of a recovery day, a lot lighter. Like we might do just some simple technical, just catching simple diving stuff. You know, and our guys have loved going into overtime this year. So we've had four overtime games and six <laughs> games. So the guys are a bit, a bit sore. So on the Saturday, it's definitely a lighter energy, you know, just like a jog and a stretch, maybe some shooting, some soccer tennis or something fun like that. But it's definitely the, the Thursday we have a full keeper specific session that goes like hour, hour 15, where it's just me and the goalkeepers going through our stuff. What? So when people hear that someone's an assistant coach at a, at a college, what are some of the roles and responsibilities that kind of fall within into your lap? So you get the usual, obviously, right? Helping with training sessions, helping with, you know, recruiting and so on and so forth. 
Um, and I think a lot of the roles that even I didn't realize when I was playing is, you know, you got to get make sure for the food for the away trips, uh, booking hotels, um, submitting the, you know, care law compliance stuff for NCAA to our compliance officer. And, you know, the little, little tasks like that, um, that even when I was playing, I didn't realize had to get done because then you just, you know, you finish playing and like, oh, here's the food, let me eat it. But it's just like, you know, like even yesterday we're in overtime and I got the food delivery guy calling me with five minutes left in overtime. And I'm just like, this is the worst time for this call, but I have to take it or the food's not going to get delivered and so on. But it's, um, it's like, it was like a, a joke I saw on Twitter. Like, I guess like one of the div big division, I think it was Michigan, their basketball assistant coach was like on the phone in the middle of the game. And someone just retweeted saying like every small school assistant coach knows this feeling where you have to take the food phone call in like the dying minutes of the game. But um, those are definitely the tasks that, like, now I, I just take it and I roll with it and, like, it's enjoyable because, you know, when the guys get fed, they're like, oh, thanks for the food. And I'm just like, yeah, like, for sure. And, like, I just I didn't realize it back when I was playing. Like, you know, someone has to order the food and it's usually not going to be the head coach doing that. That is – and that's awesome because I've, I've heard similar stories from some other guys that I've spoken with about um, the amount of things that go on and what have you. What has, uh, what's been your experience when it comes to the recruiting side? What's, what's that like as, as a coach at the college level? Um, I personally, I enjoy it. I love going to like the tournaments and the showcases and being able to go and watching games in person, you know, obviously those are good opportunities to be able to network and meet new coaches and so on. Uh, this year's obviously been a bit different just with the, everything with the pandemic and just, you know, being some tournaments get canceled, some don't, some of them are going with the virtual recruiting route. Um, I you know, we were still able to go to a couple showcases in the fall, you know, cause I, I also coach an under 17 boys team. So I'll, I'd take them to basically the same tournaments I'd be going to anyway. Um, like I, I here at UIS with, we have a, I think maybe half our team's international guys. So we also deal with a lot of the international recruiting services and international guys getting in touch with us. But, uh, you know, our head coach, him being international as well, kind of takes more of those reins while I kind of help out with more of like the local guys, like the Chicago area guys, like I said, a couple of the California guys and so on. But, um, you know, it's also a good dynamic where like if I get a guy that I think would be good, I send it to him so he can watch it and vice versa. So it's a good relationship and it's kind of been the same way at every school that I've been at you know like I everyone had it kind of has their role of like you're looking for this you're looking for that I usually of course I always get the goalkeeper side of it and it's just of like if it's a guy that's worth maybe pursuing um letting the, the whole staff watch it so that we can all be included in knowing what's going on it sounds like you and the the head coach there have a good kind of give and take on certain things has it been a really good kind of like you spoke earlier about really positive things about the staff for the athletic department there at UIS has have you enjoyed the move there and uh you know the head coach and the whole kind of the program experience so far yeah I would say so you know it's a good it's been a good dynamic for sure um you know work-wise and then also like whenever it's not when things are slow quote unquote or like when it's right after a big game like when we're on the bus we can talk and joke around stuff that just isn't about our team like everyone here we follow professional soccer like everyone here has a premier league team like i'm a man U fan he's a tottenham fan one of our other guys is a wolves fan like we have guys on the team that are arsenal fans so like that's always a good fun banter that comes up like yesterday with the spurs arsenal game like we had it on the ipad at the front of the bus and all the staff's watching it we got three guys like behind us trying to like look over our shoulders and watch it and so it's just one of those where like when it gets comes to work stuff like 
you know, everyone bounces their ideas off. And then when it comes to, you know, we just want to unwind and, you know, have fun and joke around stuff we can as well. And like, like I said, the entire athletic department's the same way. Like the women's coaching staff is awesome. Like we'll hang out and like pop over to their offices when we have some time to kill and vice versa. So it's been a good dynamic. I can't, I mean, obviously every school and place that you're at has its challenges that you just got to roll with, but I can't say I'm unhappy or any of that sort. That's awesome. It's always good to be, it sounds like each place that you've ended up, whether it was Hilo or Marymount or where you're at now, that uh, you've always had like a good network and it sounds like you've connected along the way. So everything you've kind of shared so far about like talking with a buddy and got like a possible recruit to come to UIS and um, even to where you're at now, where you just talked to a buddy who told you kind of about this opportunity. Um, so you spoke earlier about wanting to be a college coach. Is there a, is there a timeline on that type of thing? Or is this still kind of Eric's like, if the opportunity comes, I might look at it, but for right now I'm focused on UIS. It's more on that side. I would say, um, obviously, you know, everyone wants to say the sooner the better. And then you hear of guys that are like around my age or like a year or two older already getting head coaching opportunities. But then I also go along the lines of, you know, is it the right opportunity for me? Is it a place where I'm going to go and be happy? Is it a place where you're going to go? And maybe it's one of those places where, you know, they maybe they don't get as much support from the school. So that's why they're just making those hires or so on. Or is it a place where I can actually see myself having a future, being successful and stuff. But honestly, like in this past year, it's been like in more in the back burner of the mind. Like I've been focused on getting things done here. Like I said, we have, a, in my opinion, a competitive team with a good dynamic where, you know, the guys are great. Staff has been great. So it's, I don't have a set timeline where I'm like, by 30, I want to be a head coach. It's just like, if when the right opportunity arises, it'll, it'll make itself known to me. I love that kind of outlook of, I'm just going to keep plugging away. Um, the other thing I think it's really cool is your, your kind of like self-awareness of if it's not the right fit and not just the soccer, but the entire department of the athletics, are, what are their other programs like? How are they supported? Like you said, like, I don't want to go in and have to be battling the whole time with off-field things on top of the, the on-field type of thing. Um, what has, what has doing club and college at the same time, how has that dynamic uh, worked out for you? It's, it's a bit interesting. So especially with my under 17 boys team um, here, like they're, a competitive team. They're one of those that like, they're looking to get recruited and such. So one of the first things I usually do when, like when I took over this team, I brought them in. I'm like, so you guys know I'm a college coach. Now my question to you guys is, do we want to, do you want me to lead you and treat you and train you? Like if it's a collegiate team. So, you know, keeping those standards and so on and so forth, or do we want a bit looser reins and so on? And I let them make the decision for themselves. They came back saying like, Hey, we want you to push us because we want to end up in college and so on and so forth. So I'm able to, you know, have a little bit more of intense training sessions, you know, have some good standards with them and so on. And, you know, even with them, like, well, we have, we're lucky that our club uses the trace camera system. So we have our games recorded. So we'll have zoom calls and go over our games and so on and do stuff like that, which obviously, you know, probably as much as I do that there's other teams where the kids maybe aren't as invested. So they, you can have those zoom sessions, but they might not be as involved in them well as I'm getting questions from my guys going so on and so forth which makes it easier for me to plan those because I know they want to do it and then it's also good for me I think as a coach because I joke around with my head coach it's like sometimes when I have an idea for training I'll run it with them and if it works I'll bring it to the college guys 
And then if it doesn't, then I might tweak it a little bit, bring it back there. And then if it works, bring it to the college guys and use it here. So it's a, it's a bit of a give and take. And then it's good as well because some of, like my club kids are supportive of the program. Like some of them want to come out and watch the games. You know, when we have ID camps, they want to come and check it out, see how we're like here and so on and so forth. And it helps that there's comps where we train at is like walking distance away from our stadium field and so on. So they're pretty close by. I love the fact that you kind of came in uh, with kind of like, look, I am a college coach and I love the fact that you communicate with them. Like, where do you, what level do you want to be pushed? Like we can kind of, like you said, we can do it as a, I don't know when you quote unquote regular level type selecting, like we'll do a lot of good stuff and do club type things. And we'll put you in good environments or I can raise the level a little bit and push you. And I love the fact that the boys are like, let's do this. Um, and like you said, even with the zoom calls, and I know just sometimes you feel like, am I the only one, am I the only one talking in this session? But I love the fact that they continually are kind of like throwing out stuff and getting input, um, on that. And the idea of having them as quote unquote, guinea pigs, is kind of a cool idea of like, Hey, I've got this great idea. Let's just work it with them. Um, and you're probably getting feedback from them as well as you're watching it. Like what yeah. worked here? What didn't? Did you guys like yeah. the size? Like maybe the grid should have been bigger. Should I have had, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. I think that's cool that you're able to kind of have that to try because instead of just having everything in one bowl, you've got the club and the college type thing. And I think it's cool that you're able to share that with the coach, which goes back to like what I was talking about earlier, that good kind of give and take between the two of you. And, and it helps that he also coaches at the same club that I do. He, I have the 17s, like the 04s, he has the 02s. So we're usually side by side with each other as well. And like, cause we're, the club we work for is Central Illinois. So we'll train like in Springfield once a week. And then we drive an hour north to Peoria um, to train the other time a week because we have kids from both sides of it. So to kind of keep it split. And then me and him will carpool and drive together. So we also have like those car rides where same thing, we'll talk soccer or we'll just be jamming out to music or just doing something to kill the time while we get there. And then I think, and then when it, going back to the communication and me bringing it to the guys as well, I did that and asking them that because I also, being the young coach, made the mistake of with a previous club team, um, not here, but, but I think it was, I think it was when I was still back in Hilo. I came in saying, I'm a club coach, so I'm going to, or I'm a, I'm a college coach, so I'm going to run you guys like a college team. And those kids didn't want it. So I got a lot of pushback, a lot of like, not animosity, but just like you could tell they weren't really happy to be there because maybe they didn't want to get pushed that hard. And it took me a bit too a, li- a bit of time to realize that and maybe pull the reins back. So when I was here and I'm like, I'm getting a fresh start, like let me see what they want out of their experience so I can also provide that because at the end of the day, you want you don't want to push kids away from the game. You want them to enjoy it and you want them to get what they want out of it as well. And you know, thankfully I have a good group of kids there who, like I said, want to get pushed. They all wanna have the goal of playing collegiately. So when I brought them that, they all unanimously unanimously basically we're like hey like let's do it and i tell them like if you guys have any questions or comments individually like you're more than welcome to come and ask me i say the same thing to their parents and i all have parents call me and say like hey i just wondering like why'd you do this at training and we'll have a good conversation and go from there like i haven't really had an issue with anybody so far the one thing that i've heard kind of consistently through this conversation is your ability to look back on your previous experiences and pull from those so that experience at Hilo where you may have over pushed the guys a little bit um, to back when you had, you were trying to coach guys or, or well, I guess girls and guys keepers 
who you were buddies with, you know, four months before, and now you're and you learn from that. It's, I think it's really cool that you're able to kind of self-evaluate and say what worked and what didn't work, even within the training session of like what worked here that I could take um, beyond that. The other thing that I think has been cool is you talked about the plane ride where it kind of got you into coaching, where you were just conversating about it with the coach. And he was like, Hey, would you think about doing this? And then the car rides and stuff, how, how beneficial do you, are those kind of non-formal learning opportunities been for you? I think they're very good. And I honestly think sometimes I learn more from the informal conversations than I will from the formal ones. Cause you know, when you go into like a formal meeting or like review at the end of the year and stuff you kind of you're a bit nervous or you kind of don't know what to ask or what feedback to ask for because you don't know if you're overstepping or if they already have their mindset while the more informal stuff it kind of just kind of like this it's just a conversation where things flow and then eventually you might learn something or you might take something that you weren't expecting and so on because like even like I said with my old goalkeeper coach who I still keep in touch with greatly and all that like when I was back in LA like we'd go have a beer and you know, it would start off as just regular random conversation and it would turn into something about like training. I was like this, or I was like, hey, I had this idea and we would go back and forth and so on. And like, even like same thing when we go recruiting or like when I, last year in LA in this 2019, they had the, like a goalkeeping coaches conference, like a smaller one compared to the Florida one. And we had the formal conference during the day and at night, a handful of us are same thing, having a couple beers, and then we all start bouncing ideas off of each other, and it's just like, oh, I never would have thought of that. What do you think of this? And then that's how, kind of how we just bounce ideas back and forth. Yeah, I've heard similar things about when people go to, like, conventions and stuff, that it's awesome mm-hmm. with the presenters, but it's that time afterward where you go and grab a bite to eat or a drink where the real kind of get to kind of get to know guys a little bit better as coaches, and then the conversations become a little bit more uh, kind of you know, you can get it more individualized to what your setting is and all that type of stuff. Uh, Eric, this conversation has been sweet. Um, if people want to connect with you or follow up and, and check out more about the University of Illinois Springfield, uh, what are some of the ways that they can connect with you? Uh, I'm on, you know, Instagram and Twitter. And Twitter is probably the best one to get a hold of me. It's just at Coach Lemus underscore. Um, obviously you can find my email and information on our UIS website, uh, com. So if people want to get a hold of me, you can just shoot me an email or through there, or give me a call on myself. I'm usually pretty open and to responding and getting in touch with people who have questions. So, um, Twitter would be best for the easy social media route. And if guys, if they want to go through the more formal stuff through there, you can just shoot me an email and so on. The one thing I will say was really cool. Cause Eric and I just connected just recently, like in the past week or so. Um, and he was like, boom, I want to get on, let's chat. Um, and he's been awesome at getting back and all that type of stuff. So I know if you have questions and you send them his way, um, he'd be welcome, you know, more than happy to connect back with you. The other thing is just listening to his story, the ability to go from like that California experience of growing up and playing to, um, Hawaii to, uh, now the Midwest, I think he's got just a huge plethora of kind of experiences. And as you can tell, just from the conversation, great insight onto what, has worked and what needs to be, you know, worked on um, and what have you. So Eric, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. And I will shut this thing down. This is Kieran with Coaches Corner Chats with Eric Lemus, and I'm out. Peace. 
the beanie of choice for Coach's Corner Chats episode today was from H&M. Check them out at hm.com.